1: Hello and welcome to the Wisdom Cricket Weekly Podcast. It's been a massive week in English cricket. Joe Root has resigned as England's test captain after 64 tests in the job. And Rob Key has been appointed as the ECB's new managing director of men's cricket. Later on in the show, we'll be talking about the 159th edition of the Wisdom Almanac that is out today, as well as a brand new issue of Wisdom Cricket Monthly. We've also got another round of county championship action as an IPL drama to digest. I'm Yaz Rana and our team to talk through all that today is the editor-in-chief of Wisden Cricket Monthly, Phil Walker, former England batter Mark Butcher and the Wisden editor, Lawrence Booth. Let's start with the news of Root's resignation. Joe Root, captain England, more times in test cricket than anyone else. He led England to more test victories and more test defeats than any other England captain. Lawrence, how do you think his reign should be remembered? Uh,
3: I think as a, a good bloke, a popular leader, a heavy run scorer who didn't quite have uh, the I suppose, all the ingredients to be a very successful test captain. I think what summed him up, in a way, was in August he became England's most victorious captain and in December he became their most defeated. Uh, so in the same year he tasted the highs and lows. And that sort of summed him up a bit. There were wins here, losses there, but no real thread to it. And by the end it became unsustainable. He won one test out of 17 and he didn't win in Ashes, which, like it or not, is how a lot of England cricket captains get. remembered. Mike Gatting won two tests out of 21 as captain they're both in the 86-87 Ashes, and that's how he gets remembered to agree. So, look, he goes out with the thanks of English cricket, great guy. But in the end, um, various factors proved too much for him. Um, his own lack of tactical acumen, I'm afraid to say, one of them.
1: Mm. Uh, but we talked about it before in the show, but England's biggest problem in the last two years has been they've not scored enough runs. How much blame can be attributed to Root for that?
2: Well, none, really. I mean, his his own form has been nothing short of spectacular, given the... Uh, the paucity of of assistance that he's had around him in the last uh, three or four seasons Um, and so you know it's it's extraordinary really a real testament to sort of his his professionalism and his clarity of thought and his damn talent really as a a batsman that he's been able to keep such high standards when uh, when all around him um, were were, were falling apart Um, you know I, I agree with a lot of what Lawrence has said about the sort of the, the tactical acumen, some of the some of the big decisions, some of the, the the sort of decisions around selection, around the way that the team was set up to play, um, you know, decisions around um, you know being able to t- being able to turn a winning position into a losing one, which he became absolutely sensational at by the end, um, were things at all which which didn't it did him no favours whatsoever, but he was captaining with with at least one hand behind his back and maybe and Maybe half a leg as well at times, given that the team just simply could not put any runs on the board. Um, he also had a lot of injuries to contend with 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 major major bowlers, um, which which every England captain has to has to deal with has had to deal with over ever since I I've, I've started being involved. So that's not that's not so much of a of a of an excuse. Um, however, I think the t- also just the time of it. He's been there for for, for longer than anybody else. And I'll never forget the look in his eye. I bumped into him as he was, he was on his way up to his, his room on the way back after the last day of the, the Grenada Test match. He just looked absolutely shot to bits. Yeah. Absolutely shot to bits. Ruined. Um, and, you know, that conversation around, well, who else? You know, who else? If not Joe Root, who else? Well, that kind of doesn't matter, I don't think. I think you, you have to... The, the game will move on and you'll find somebody to fill that spot. There being a paucity of other options is no reason to keep a man in, in a job. Um, the only reason to keep him in the job is if you feel that, that he still has enough to give or at least that the messages that he is sending out are, are strong enough to make a change in the team. And I'm afraid because of the way that, that the the same mistakes occurred again and again and again and again, you have to say, time's up, Joe. And um, thank you very much for everything you've done before that moment because he's
1: been a terrific Im- ambassador for, for English cricket. But it was time. Phil, one win in 17 is the stat that followed Root out the door and... It's easy to forget there were there were some good times in those 64 tests as well. Four one win over India in 2018. Following that with three zero win in Sri Lanka, win in South Africa. The South Africa tour felt exactly, like a bit yeah. of a
0: hinge point as well because they went down in that first Test match, came back to win that with series. a very young
1: squad as well. Yeah, um, there, there,
0: there have been some some high point moments. There have been outbursts of optimism through through his story, and it's it would be I think unfair and and a bit churlish if the the kind of abiding motif of the root era is as mark describes that kind of broken hangdog energy sapped thousand yard stair route that we got towards the end of grenada and you can't imagine what the toll of the last four or five months on a human level must have taken out of the out of the bloke you know exhausted by you know the revolving door of failures pick another pick another comes in can't do it comes in can't do it the the sense that he's only rarely if ever been able to get his full team out on the park obviously there are extraordinary circumstances around his tenure you know captaining during covid is is it blows your mind how complicated that must have been you know just not just on a on a personal level but obviously on a strategic level how do you How do you hope to get everything out of your test side when you're often denuded of certain players that you need? He had the Ben Stokes problem last summer when Ben had to take a bit of time out of the game. You you lose your talisman best player. So there's all kinds of caveats, none of which is to say that his time hadn't come um, and that we do arrive by you know, sort of chaos, really, at a point which needed to happen. It probably needed to happen after the Ashes. I personally felt if he could go to the Welt one more time, considering what what the circumstances were, then then take him to to West Indies, see if he can build something else. I think he's he's run out of steam. Um, He's probably run out of spirit as well. But, you know, I think we're kidding ourselves if we think replacing the leader guarantees better days because there are all kinds of other factors at play here. Over and above his 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 qualities or otherwise as a as a strategist and a leader.
1: Just to what Mark you said about English cricket owing a lot to to Joe Root, if you go back to when Alistair Cook resigned, there weren't many standout options for um, at the time and you know, you look now, part of the reason possibly why Root has gone on so long is there weren't any standout options to replace him. But but what um, was so int- he's done the job at You're a You're right. Where...
0: But what was interesting about that time is that he wasn't just the best candidate or the only candidate. He was a really good option. Most people, with the exception actually of Graham Swan, who said, let him bat. But everybody else said, look, he's, he's sparky, he's, he's intelligent, he's obviously got great class as an individual, he's popular, uh, people want to play for him. He'll be able to pull a dressing room together by sheer dint of sort of decency, as much as anything else. And he, he was full of bubbling with ideas. You just see the way that he bats. He's not a person who's who doesn't understand the, the workings of a cricket match. It's almost like the job wears you down. But it makes you more pragmatic, more more kind of risk averse.
2: Uh, you, know, you know that that is a is a really really interesting point because I was thinking about this yesterday. That one of the problems and. Uh, one of the issues around the, the captaincy of Joe Root has been that despite of all of the all of the caveats, it's still English cricket. It's still eighteen teams. You've got this mountain of talent that is, that is sloshing around for, for for white ball cricket. You've got resources that most test playing countries would absolutely die for. And so in the midst of of, of his tenure having been ultimately, I suppose, a disappointment you still look at it and go, well, crikey, we've still, we've still had it better than a lot of other people <laughs> during this time. Um, and perhaps Joe's sort of lack of, and it wasn't a lack of drive, lack of courage, really. Courage either of his own convictions or courage in the players that he had around him. Admittedly, they let him down often enough for that to have been eroded. To, to kind of be able to take things by the scruff of the neck um, and, to, and to be a little bit more daring, um, given the, uh, the, the talent at his disposal at times. Um, and I think that's 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 been a, an issue. You know, the, the whole thing around Matt Parkinson now is just it's starting to look hilarious, isn't it? The fact that the guy just keeps going on tour, never gets close to get, getting a game, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. And I think he would have played, you know, if the Grenada pitch had not looked the way it did in the last one, he, he would have played um, in, in that last test match because... England have made runs, and they just looked looked so far away from taking twenty wickets that you might as well have a, have a guy out there that they don't particularly trust. But isn't that just doesn't that it's still in symptomatic itself, though that he
0: didn't play in either? Doesn't the that ones.
2: exactly doesn't that in itself tell you the whole story that there was there was never enough trust, never enough trust in either a, a young talented player, perhaps not even enough trust in some of your more senior and gnarled players to kind of to to be able to think and make decisions for themselves for the good of the team. Um, And Joe took a lot of that stuff on himself and wasn't ultimately didn't have the sort of the strength of personality or the strength of conviction to turn it into, um, you know, a team that was that should never have been the best in the world under his tenure in test match cricket, but shouldn't should certainly um, should never be outside the top three, given all of the things that English cricket has
3: at his disposal.
1: Now, now that it actually resigned, who do you think should replace him?
3: Well, regrettably, I, I can only see Ben Stokes as the as the only candidate. I mean, look, it's not ideal. Like, as Phil said earlier, he missed a chunk of last summer because he's dealing with mental health issues as well as his, his broken finger. Um, we don't want to have to give it to Ben Stokes. He's got so much else on his plate. It may work if um, he doesn't play international T20 cricket. I mean, England have got enough big hitters, they've got enough bowlers. It's not his strongest format, weirdly, even though he can tear a game apart himself. Uh, and that his ODIs are limited to World Cups, say, and then he can concentrate on Test cricket and play some IPL if he wants. That that England should be able to find a way to not overburden him. I mean, of course, the, the, one of the issues with Stokes is he gets injured quite a lot, um, and that's one of the things that people say. Well, you can't pick Broad because he's not, a he's not in the team and he's a bowler and bowlers get injured more than batsmen. Well, Stokes get injured gets injured because he bowls. He's not supposed to bowl at all then he bowls ninety nine overs in the Caribbean. Or he, he bowls bouncers at Sydney, and hey, presto, he, he can't bowl in Hobart. So he'd have to manage himself, <laughs> which would be an interesting one. Um, but look, I can't see who else can do it. You know, There's some ridiculous names been thrown about just he, from he, nowhere, because we're desperate, but it has to be Stokes. He, he said, Lawrence, when he was asked about it, it was quite
0: a canny response. He says he has no ambition to be test captain, which was a good line. Obviously, it leaves things open. Do you think, in his heart of hearts, he wants it, or rather he'd
3: be prepared to take it on? if and when he's asked. He was asked about that when Root was in the job and fighting a really difficult Ashes series and he was just being loyal to his mate. I mean, there was no way he was going to stir the pot and get that debate going. While Do you think England he'd want war. it now? Yeah. You don't? I think in private, I mean, you talk to a couple of the journos in know him well or ghost his columns, they're like, yeah, of course he wants to be England captain. There's no way he's going to say that, um, undermine Joe Root.
2: The only, concern I, the only concern I have about it, really, is how Ben the Human would cope with that. Because, you know, he, he's somebody that, He's somebody that gives you absolutely everything at face value when he's when he's on um, when he's on duty. But he also is a is is a very human being when he's off duty. Um and, and having to change your being being England captain requires for some people it's natural because they don't have anything to change. That's the way they are. Alistair Cook didn't have to change anything to become the Captain. He wasn't like he was gonna suddenly stop rolling out of nightclubs at three o'clock in the morning because he never did it, never, still doesn't, you know. But for, for other people, there are, you know, there are certain, there are certain way, ways of life, certain freedoms that they enjoy that would have to be curtailed slightly in order to be sort of England's captain. It's not, it's not a job for on the field, unfortunately. There is as much of it, it's like an iceberg. More of it is underneath the, the surface of the water than on top. And so that's the thing that you worry about for somebody like Ben Stokes taking on that job on a, on a, on a permanent basis. Um, You know, I've read things about people saying that, you know, we should perhaps do it on a a series by series basis or maybe give somebody the captaincy up until the end of the summer and then see how you get along. Um, which you know is, is is kind of sensible, I suppose. Although, if you think about it, what did that do to England's greatest ever all-rounder back in the eighties? He kind of like not knowing he was going to captain the team from one game to the next kind of ruined his confidence, his decision making, the uh, the way that you feel that you can express yourself in front of in front of teammates, etc. If your job is always on the line, is impossible. So you can't give the the job to somebody on a on a part-time basis. You have to give the job to them in the hope that they end up doing 40, 50 test matches and then make a decision somewhere down the line. And all of this brings us back to to my mate Rob Key, doesn't it? I mean, here is a guy who is in his first ever managerial role He's been captain of a, of a club before. First ever managerial role where you're hiring, firing, you're doing all of the sort of the the bureaucratic stuff. He finds himself in a in a in a job as director of cricket where none of the positions, not even his boss, is decided. He doesn't even know who, who he's answering to yet. Um, and so, you know, perhaps the captaincy is the least of English cricket's worries right now. Mm. Uh, on,
1: indeed. On Stokes, I, I guess I don't really know how a vice captain captain dynamic works. But Root's been criticised a lot for a lot for for a lot of decisions that he's been. He's either made or been part of the decision-making process. H- how much influence does a vice captain have? Because if Root's getting criticism, wasn't Stokes there to influence dressing room culture and also it to actually influence those decisions? Actually, Joe, I think sakib should play the first test in West Indies. For well, example, well, yeah, for sure. But the captain
2: makes the last, makes the final call always, always. I mean, there are <laughs> there are parallels in other walks of life where you might say that that the. Uh, the underlings get thrown under the bus, and, and and the boss sticks out. I can't think of it. Can Calling anybody think of anything at the moment that's pertinent on that? <laughs> but um, the uh, and, and also
0: Stokes won't take won't back down from a tricky decision, will he? You know, oh. I mean, the first and only Test match he's capped. I think it's the only one he's Test match. He dropped Broad straight off the bat, didn't he? he said, "We're well, yeah. not playing me straight yeah. away." So I, mean, I, I don't so, think he's going to back down in the way that Root might have prevaricated a little bit here and there the and cap- hedged his bets. The captain
2: has to. The captain always always carries the can for this stuff, and yeah. and his right to right to because the last thing you want um being in in a job whereby where it is so high profile and every decision you make is poured over the last thing you want is to be is to be hung drawn and quartered for a decision that somebody else has made so regardless of whether whether ben had any input in any of that stuff it's joe's call always
1: always are you not tempted by anyone else other than stokes um
2: Frankly, no. I mean, you know, that. that I suppose if, suppose if you're looking at somebody to do, to do it on a, on a less than permanent basis, and I've already said that I, I think that's a, a pretty daft idea, then you might sort of say, well, you know, Stuart, last hurrah for the summer as you fancy leading the team out the, against two top sides in, in the Test match arena. That throws up all kinds of interesting um, fun though, internal it? dynamics. I mean, he'd be good at it, you know, um, and, and the press conferences would be fun. <laughs> how end. often can you say that Yeah. Um, so uh, but I don't know I mean you know James Vince's name keeps getting keeps getting brought up I mean everyone particularly my learned friend over there our, our editor-in-chief would love to just see him back in the side anyway but as captain I mean goodness gracious is there is there enough is there enough Kleenex in the country if something, <laughs> <laughs> something like that were to happen I've stopped um, short
0: of backing that idea of the record you know people <laughs> I've well so, short of that people
2: say, so mentioning people like Rory Burns obviously county captains that, you know all of a sudden become Become, um, become sort of viable options, I suppose, by dint of the fact that, they, that they're leaders anyway. But no. But the, and the and issue with well, the issue with everybody. Sorry, no. the issue with everybody is that, that no one's permanent in the side. The only person, and maybe maybe Johnny Besto is the other one at the moment. The only person you can say has any air of permanence in the team, for whatever reason, in whatever position, is bent Is the only one. Which is wild when you say <laughs> that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> he's the only one.
0: <laughs> yeah. It, Rob Key was asked this question a few months ago, and he said, "For his money, pound for pound, you know, you know what I'm going to say: that that he thinks that Joss Butler would have been the, an an interesting successor, a natural successor to to Root at a certain point in the story. That point has almost certainly gone. But if we were having, if we were sitting <laughs> and around here, and he's
2: smashing hundreds in the IPL. for is, fun at the he moment, is, you know? but that shouldn't he's necessarily, enjoying himself in a way that he should, never enjoyed himself playing Test match. Sure,
0: but that shouldn't necessarily negate the conversation, which would be very much been had if, if we were talking six months ago and he had a bad ashes everyone had a bad ashes and we assume that that door is shut and if it is then we leave it leave it aside but it's interesting that the bloke now who's going to make the call uh identified what many others had as well in fairness last year you know the, he,
1: and he said that after the ashes in fairness to key was it after the ashes on that West podcast Indies. yeah right So, what's the position
0: what on Rob Key? Yeah,
2: no, no, the position that, 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 that he, he thinks that Joss thinks, Butler so, okay. that Joss
0: Butler would have been. He uh, said he was the best, the most captain, natural. But, yeah. I mean, you, you say strategic you, successor in the to, in the midst of,
2: of what you were saying there about you know the, the door being there's no no door should be closed really at the moment we're in such a we're in such a state of it's not flux even is it it's such a state of openness that there shouldn't be any that, that, that nothing should be dismissed as out of hand. You know, there there are as far as I can see it, there should be there should be lots of senior-ish batters, you know, sort of twenty nine to thirty two year old batters in county cricket, thinking I've got half a chance of of, of getting it, getting a four four year shot at Test match cricket. There should be there should be everybody out there at the moment should be thinking that that it's open for them. And if Joss, I, I guarantee you, if Joss Butler suddenly started making noises from the IPL, that yeah, you know what, I, I you know I feel refreshed. I want to get back into the Test match side and leadership. Yeah, I'd give that a shot. If he said that, then then why the hell not? Do you know what I mean? But the, the feeling was by the end of the Ashes series that he kind of like, he, he, he was done with the whole thing. And it's it's instructive that he's out there now smashing the thing to all parts and having the time of his life. And not, I bet he hasn't given it a second thought. Yeah, he probably hasn't.
0: But, but he, he didn't personally declare that he was done with Test Cricket. He's not... He's not. He didn't have to. He just sure, had to watch it. Sure, But But... <laughs> But, but we can we can assume that on many players come the end of a bruising series. Um, B- Butler's completed white ball cricket. He's done it. He's, he's completed that. Whatever happens to Butler from here on in, he's, he's already one of the greats. Uh, if we were to have this bizarre chain of events that then uh, gets him back in that test see- test team, then what he's doing now doesn't negate the validity of him being a part of that conversation. Again, I don't think. You know, and... We play very little 50 over cricket now. Uh, we don't have another World Cup for, what, three years in 50 over cricket. He, he doesn't have to hit another white ball. 50 over World Cup next year. Sorry, next year. Yeah. He doesn't have to hit another white ball to be our best T20 player for the next six months if he doesn't want to. Um, he will always have that, and he's not going to lose his impact, particularly as a white ball player, whether he plays another Red ball game or not. So I don't think that the two are necessarily so distinct you know i think that there an that there can still be a story that plays out with butler i'm not predicting it i'm not saying that i that i back it but i can see it i can see how well, how that, how that it, still plays out it'll be
3: interesting to see what happened at the moment ben folks made a mistake in the caribbean people go oh, hang on a second what <laughs> the best wicket keeper in the world what bring back joss Butler? that and if he doesn't score runs you know that narrative could grow butler's making county runs all right continues to make an IPL. runs. i mean One of the interesting characters, Rory Burns, I think, because a couple of years ago, I think they did see him as a future test captain. And then the word seems to be that he goes a bit quiet in the dressing room and didn't kind of develop naturally as the leader, the guy with inputs into discussions that they'd hoped. So he sort of fell away and so did his runs. Um, I think the the thing with Stokes is, can he avoid the trap that a lot of England captains, I think, fall into, including Joe, which is they go down the conservative route? They, they make safe, what they regard as safe decisions. So Chris Wokes opens the bowling in Australia when we know he's not an away bowler. And then they take him to the West Indies and he's opening the bowling in the West Indies with Craig Overton. Now, most people could tell you that wasn't going to work. Parkinson, as Butch mentioned, is a classic example of English conservatism. Let's pick the left arm sp- spinner, bowl 60 overs, 3 for 110, landing it on the same spot again and again, but wasn't going to bowl West Indies out. English cricket is, de- conservatism is its default mode I think historically and it's often needed an outsider to come in you look at our most successful coaches Duncan Fletcher's Zimbabwean, Andy Flowers in Barbour, and Trevor Bayliss won a World Cup as an Australian Owen Morgan's an Irishman took us to the first World Cup Kevin Peterson was the first guy who played switch it and so on you often need a kind of an outsider and I think Stokes temperamentally if not geographically is an outsider and the, the key for him if he were to be captain would be to keep that that sort of devil you know, the, the headingly 2019 devil in him. That gives English cricket the best chance.
0: Yeah, bang on. And just on that, um in Rob Key's book, which we might come to later actually, because it's become a very useful source, <laughs> you know, a secondary text. Uh, but he he speaks about his admiration for Baylis and for, you know, attacking, thrusting Red Bull cricketers. Uh, and, you know, makes, makes a very key-like point on that, that, you know... How much value is it really to sort of graft out fifteen or twenty in one hundred and twenty balls? Really, no.
2: right? <laughs> not yeah. At all. Okay. Not and at all. This is what you're not saying. Not However, I will say, and because need, this needs to come in early before you get to the, get to the crux of your point, is that, that England kind of went so far. The pendulum. This is the pendulum swings so totally. far one way, and totally. then so far in the other direction. You get you get blocking the crap out of it from one coach, and you get smashing it to all parts from another. Yeah. And yet, you know, Test match cricket is it's so much more nuanced nuance than that. You need players who have the ability to be able to do all, all of those things. Yeah. Um, and that's, and, and, there, and therein lies the danger in thinking, okay, everything needs to be gung-ho. No, you need some glue in there. You need some people who, who, who are going to be able to, to, to chisel out runs. You might, you'd quite like them to have the gears to go up and down if they can, but you know, you, need the, you need the glue, but you also need the flair and the flamboyance. You need people who can unlock batting lineups on, on, uh, on very, very flat pitches, um, none of which we had... In in the Caribbean, I mean, crikey, woo, yeah. Talk about, you know, I did. I think I might have said on the commentary about, you know, the sleepless nights waiting to to, to open the batting in the Caribbean on my first trip in ninety-seven, ninety-eight with Lambros and Walsh. And I'm thinking, mate, I'd have been up all night. (laughs) Wokes and Overton. Sorry, sorry. No, no disrespect to either of them, but my God, it was the friendliest opening bowling stuff I've ever seen um, in 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 a Test match in the Caribbean.
1: Moving on, the other big piece of news this week was that Rob Key has been unveiled as the new managing. Director of men's cricket, um, you might have heard that by now. I've seen a lot of people bemoaning his lack of experience, which is obviously not an unfair observation, but, but who is experienced and qualified for this role? Being the managing director of a county is c- completely different to being the managing director of um whole of English men's cricket. I mean, uh, Mark Rambrakash wrote a piece in The Guardian yesterday, a new WCM columnist, where he said that English cricket should have been looking for names who are outside the box like Rob Andrew at Sussex, Clive Woodward, Mo Bobat, Paul Farbrace, or Vikram Solanke who he mentioned has a law degree but it's not going great at Sussex, Woodward has nothing to do with cricket, Mo Bobat has never had a public facing role or has played professional sport. Farbrace isn't exactly out of the box, and I'm not sure what a law degree's got to do <laughs> with with a job. I mean, like a lot Apart of people, but ta- a, no. a lot of people have been talking about Key's lack of experience. But yeah, yeah. Well, who no, is experience? No, I no, mean, no, Jars think, was, exper- was experience experienced and I, had relevant experience, and, and did the job that I, well.
2: I think in terms of talking about experience, it's kind, it's kind of, it's not experience of doing that role clearly because there mm-hmm. there aren't there aren't that many <laughs> there are no jobs like it. Yeah. Are there? Um it's experience. I suppose it's experience outside of. Outside of the sort of the playing and and uh, punditing or, or captaining environment, I guess um, that's all. I mean, because as I said, it's a management role. It's not a. It's not a. It's not a coaching role. It's a role that requires sort of perhaps political skills as much as anything else. Well, but one thing I would say that Kesey has in abundance, and some, something that I think is going to stand him in really good stead, is the fact that he is as far removed from the sort of like the the, the, the ECB sort of um you know the 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 identical ecb blazer wearing pick that you might think um he he's very much his own man in terms of his way of thinking and he and he has he possesses a very very healthy dose of cynicism which, which I love in people i don't know why but he, did, he did, I, you know it, it kind of you know, he has a he has a he has the ability to be able to look around and behind things and look at them from from angles that perhaps other people um other candidates might not but I, you know I, I think i think the criticism. Of his lack of experience in in jobs outside of you know the things that we know that he's done is, is a genuine is a genuine concern and criticism and and I kind of you know I, I, I sort of shiver a little bit thinking about him going into that world and thinking well I hope you know I hope he goes okay in there because it's because it's a long way away from what he's done so I don't you know I don't dismiss that criticism at all um, but I also think that he brings he brings qualities perhaps that have been that have been uh, that have been attractive. Um, in a in a world whereby conservatism is kind of you know and, and sort of thinking very much within that boring old envelope is, has been prevalent in English cricket, and he will, with any luck, if he's himself, then that that will not be the case. So it could be it could be good fun to watch.
3: <laughs> yeah, I, I I mean I I think the whole thing about him not being having any managerial experience is, is a very English concern. It's what can't he do? Um, rather than what, what can you do I think the, the main problem for English cricket over the last two years is they've been planning for this mythical future which never quite arrives and, and they sacrifice the present I mean they sacrificed they sacrificed several series before the ashes for the ashes then they sacrificed the first ashes test for the third ashes test by the time they got around to the you know it was an absolute disaster they they were, they were always planning for the future which never quite got there and I think he is a, he's a straight talker um, he'll cut through that BS. Basically, he'll say, "Look, the you can best swear way on this show, by the way." Okay, well, throw it out. That's though. my. That's my. That's me swearing. Um, <laughs> he, uh, he he will, he will understand the very basic truth, which is that to get to get a team winning, you pick the best players in the here and now. You get momentum that way, and then young players can come into a winning side. I mean, what England desperately needed in the Caribbean was a victory, any victory, a like scrappy one-nil, just to stop the bleeding. And they dropped Broad and Anderson. I mean, Root brought about his own downfall. By doing that, absolute madness. like if Ki had been in charge, I cannot see that that having happened. Well, it's
2: funny you should say that because I think he, I think you quite advocated it. Because hey, he, he, listen, he and I, we, we've become a little bit of a double act when doing county stuff and things on, on, on Sky because we tend to disagree quite often. Now he thought that the, the his view was that the the Caribbean was very much a chance for England to go out there and experiment a little bit and, and do pretty much what they did. My view was hell no. We don't win there anyway. Take down the team that has at least got half a sniff of winning because you cannot lose again. You can't keep losing. You you lose you, you you lose people. So you lose the captain. We're now in a situation where we have nobody running anything in English cricket apart from Rob himself. So there was immediately there's a there's a disagreement in, in view. Um, you know some of the senior players. I mean you know and you have to take everything that senior players say with a pinch of salt because a lot of that is is around sort of self preservation. But Stuart would go would go along and say, well look you know. You, can we try and win the game in front of us and not keep worrying about the future? And other people would look at it and go, well, if you don't look after the future, then you end up blowing everything up anyway. Um, I, I think, unfortunately, a combination of COVID and a combination of, of doing too much, the ashes being the, the prime example, of looking at the sort of like the golden, you know, this, this is our, our sort of holy grail. Has cost us enormously, and if you go back through goodness knows how many of our pods, how you know how often did we call the stuff that was coming? Mm. You know, I, I can't even, I, I don't even want to go back there because it's horrendous. Do you want to talk
1: about Jack Leach? What? Yeah, <laughs> all
2: of the. Well, but all of that? You know, the the whole Leach thing, the whole the, the, all of the, all the decisions that they were going to end up making. You could see how it was going to go, but they were but they were going about it in, in a way that was only going to guarantee that it failed in the first place. And you are just watching these car crashes happening in slow motion. Mm. Um, and that's what needs to, that's what needs to stop. Um, and, it, and it might require somebody to be very, very definite in terms of a vision about how the next at least six months go. Be definite about it. And if you're going to throw everybody out, if you're going to chuck the baby out with the bathwater, then do it in spectacular fashion. Maybe do it at home where you stand half a chance of winning and then see how you get on. Um, I wouldn't advise it right now because <laughs> the public ain't going to take us losing um, much more, uh, much more often. In the, the near future, so you have to do you have to do it with all of this stuff with a healthy dose of. It's funny you say that. Actually, well. I
1: speaking to someone this weekend who said he's watched English an England test match, a day of English test match, every year for the last twenty years, but he's not going to this time because he liked seeing him win, and he's genuinely not sure if England going to win any, <laughs> any of the seven test <laughs> matches. Um, genuinely, um, um, my,
0: um, a, a mate of mine said to me over the weekend, uh, it's like one of those schmaltzy British films, when it, in a good way. But when your mate down the pub accidentally becomes the prime minister. <laughs> now, and he did say in a good way. He did say in a good way. And, but for all that, that it does seem like, you know, he's stumbled into this position as much as, as, as any, anything else. Nonetheless, don't underestimate the bloke. You know, the bloke knows the game inside out. What, as Mark says, he doesn't yet know is the, like the the machinations and the 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 doors that are shut in your face you have to work with county chairman county boards stakeholders you have to work with all these levels of what is an extremely convoluted and confused setup really that make that works under the title of the ECB and he's going to have to confront all of that and in the end maintain his sanity and his spirit as well and the Going back to the book, and yeah, I don't, I don't want to kind of hang him on the book at all because yeah, yeah, you know sorry th- 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 about things, that. Are, things are things no, aren't. No, this was actually a different point now on the book. Uh, but I reread bits of it over the weekend, and there were, there was some interesting stuff. And again, fair comment overall. But some interesting stuff on four day cricket. And I, I wrote a bit down actually. And he says four day cricket as a business is completely bankrupt. It makes no money and costs a hell of a lot to put on compared to other format. Makes sim- zero financial sense. Now you know he's not mincing his words, but. That's obviously rooted in reality. Um, And then he makes the point that county cricket, championship cricket, only exists because of the money from Test Cricket, the English Test Team, only because of the championship conveyor belt. And so they're kind of locked in this, as he puts it. They're the ultimate odd couple, he describes it as. Now, all of that is fair comment. All of that is fair comment. But you can also say it when you don't have your ECB badge on. And how he navigates these challenges will be f- you know, fascinating to see. I wish him luck. Uh, it might be inspired, this one. It really might be inspired. As Lawrence says, he's nobody's fool and he's not. He, he, he has his own, his own way of understanding the game and he's very respected within that. He's moved up through the ranks of the punditry world very, very quickly. Um, he looks, looks you in the eye and he calls it as he sees it. You know, there's an accent there. He's unpretentious. He's approachable. He's likeable. He's all the things that traditionally these characters haven't really been. Um, it might be, possibly out of, you know, an accident, or maybe designed. but I think we're being overly generous, it might be an inspired shout. It may just
2: I, be. I'll tell you one thing, though. I have unbelievable respect for him for doing it. Because, right, yeah, because you know, the, the easiest thing in the world is, is to, to sit back and, and criticise other people's decisions or make, or make calls, big calls about things where you have, you know, there's no jeopardy for you in doing so. Um, you know, that is the job of a, of a commentator slash pundit. That's what we do. Um, and his life was pretty, pretty damn good. This is it. You can you be know. good
0: at it, but it's, it's not, if you are good, it's an easy life, right? right? It's a lovely but life. Absolutely.
2: Really, really good. And he, you know, knowing knowing Keezy as I do, and so sort of my moment of the week before you get around to asking is, is having to scratch all of these, uh, all of these tee-off times I had booked in with Rob <laughs> for, the, <laughs> for the next, for the next, uh, for the next two weeks, um, is you know he's kind of he's he's going to put his money where his mouth is. Yeah, fair play you know? to him. And that is and that deserves whatever happens. That deserves an enormous amount of respect. Yeah. Good luck, bud.
1: Lawrence, what's your moment of the week?
3: Moment of the week, um, Manus Labashain seems to be able to do everything on the cricket pitch. It, suddenly he's bowling seam up for Glamorgan against Knots. gets out, I think it was Tom Moores and Ben Duckett in quick succession, opens the door for quite an unexpected Glamorgan win against a knot side who everyone thinks are going to go straight up. And then Pat Cummins tweets, oh God, we're never going to hear the end of this over a video of the, and that kind of sums up Labashain, I think.
1: Uh, did you see how green the strip was yeah. That the might details, contributed details. to his uh, decision to bowl <laughs> seam rather than leg spin. Yeah, he's just um, taking the piss there, isn't he? Yeah. Really. <laughs> you know,
0: he's, he's seen off the best that we can summon. And uh, yeah, he's just running in and bowling 60
3: MPH. Do- yeah. and, it's Australian trolling, isn't it? Of yeah, kind of it is. Basically. Exactly
1: that. I mean, he, he's seen Darren Stevens bowl. like, I, I, I yeah, can do that. Anybody can do this. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um,
3: <laughs> I'll say no more. <laughs> <laughs> Actually,
1: it should be my depressing
3: moment of the week, really.
1: Um, Phil, what's your moment of the week? Um,
0: oh, I mean, predictably and obviously, an actual, if you want an actual moment, it has to be Parkinson's delivery to Daniel Bill Drummond uh, in a spell where he took three for and then he took, came back and took another one. He took seven in the match. He went under two and over.
1: Can I just say on this, he was amazing for two days. And so I think Matt Parkinson is in a similar position to uh, a backup England goalkeeper. So if you're not the England What's number one goalkeeper, of way, yes. <laughs> um, it's probably that ball to be honest. But, you have it. Um, if you're a backup England goalkeeper, it's only ever your good games that get focus. Uh, your bad games don't get much press attention. And if you're the England number one goalkeeper, it's only your bad games that get media focus and your good games kind of go under the radar. I think this game is. A really good example of that with Matt Parkinson. He was really good for two days, lots of attention. And on day four, he only took one wicket, bowled pretty much all day on a day four pitch, couldn't force a result. It was Hassan Ali that forced a the result. They couldn't get Hamadullah Kadri out, who's got a first class best of 30 before that game. And he bowled, he didn't bowl that great. He bowled a lot of really bad balls. If that was a test match, People are making their opinions on Parkinson, and I think we, we we big Parkinson up a lot on this podcast. But I just thought it was fair to mention that because that is relevant. Sure. and I think if that was on TV, and if that was in a test match, I think people would be coming to conclusions—unfair conclusions, conclusions sure—about Parkinson. So I, I, I like
0: I it, that. and and a, a dose of realism in this on this show. When it comes to this boy, is obviously useful, no doubt about it. for Your credibility, as much as anything else. But he was really else. good in the but, but also, before. he has taken seven for in his first first hit. You know, first hit out mid mid April, and that delivery was a beauty. It's not just about Parkinson, though. It's, it, it seemed like it was a good week for all the pretenders, all the all the the support cast. You know, from oh, Harry Brook, who made a really good hundred for Yorkshire in a good game that they won. I think they're going to be really strong this year. Mm-hmm. Actually, I wouldn't. I'd probably lean towards them if I was like, gonna have to pick a side to win it. Anyway, he made a hundred. Um Bracey made a second hundred, two in two games. Um Tom Haynes made a big double in a game where three double centuries from three different nationalities. And they say the county cricket's boring. Amazing. Um Sam Cook well again took wickets in that ridiculous game Somerset Essex where Essex managed to limp home chasing eighty odd for nine. Overton bowled well, took wickets as well. Took 13, look like a transformed bowler, admittedly, on a rather helpful track, Mark, would you say? Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. He doesn't even want to talk about that on the record. Um, Um, Ben
1: Duckett, 195 as well. Ben
0: Duckett, yeah, he started really well, hasn't he? Mm. Uh, So all of the... Look, it gives an extra sort of frisson, if you like, to the start of the season when we don't know who's going to play. But there's normally only two or three spots available. There's eight. (laughs) There's eight spots available. So, yeah, it's it's just... It was a really good round of games with some interesting results some surprising results Surrey played really well here to turn Hampshire over who have been the pre-season favourites turn them over by an innings uh, Jamie Overton he's not in the England reckoning but he came back with a new action bowled really well and fast on a on a good pitch with pace and bounce so it was a good week after a s- underwhelming first week I thought the, the, the Champo. I thought, thought last week was excellent actually um, another
1: 140 po for the Oval as well his night nice. Uh, don't, don't even bother mentioning <laughs> it if he doesn't
0: get one he's, he's down yeah. in the dumps his,
1: his average at the Oval only went up by like a fraction after scoring 100 um, I think Haynes is, is is a really good player we've we've talked about him on the pod a little bit he averages
0: he was in my team wasn't he he was in my squad yeah. in the West
1: Indies uh, he, he averages 53 in first class cricket since the la- start of last season um, if you go back to 1983 the Player who has ended the summer as the leading one school in the country, every single one of them has played Test cricket except from Hildreth and Haynes. Hildreth was 31 when he did it, Haynes was 22. Um, I know Haynes is in Division 2 and people use that as as something to hold against him, but he he's got only got six first-class hundreds, he's not played that much, but three of them are against Div 1 teams and he's not played that much against Div 1 teams. Um, and yeah, he's only 23 captain at Sussex there's not much else he can be doing. I'm not saying at all he should be in the England team now, but I think that development is um, yeah. quite exciting. Keep one's kind of, eyes on know. him, for sure. Yeah. Also, yeah, yeah,
0: he made a 34-ball 41 in the first yeah, innings. You, now, he might like have made a double more. hundred to save the game, whatever, on day four. two days. 34-ball 41, <laughs> having been in the dirt for two days, yeah. conceded 500 you're the captain, that is class. Yeah. That is class right there.
1: Um, <laughs> we, we mentioned the, the, the Canterbury game a little bit. Lancashire beat Kent by 10 wickets. Uh, But we've not mentioned Ben Compton's um, extraordinary resilience. So he's the grandson of Dennis and the cousin of Nick. Um, And he came agonisingly close to carrying his bat in both innings. Uh, He has hundreds in all three of his Kent games so far this season. He's a new signing for Kent. Um, And if you include his brief stint in Zimbabwe earlier this year, he's got five first-class hundreds in six matches in 2022. Incredible. And to be honest, he, he he was quite unlucky not to carries back in the second because it was a questionable umpiring decision let's say say that I've heard of Stinker I haven't seen yeah, it yeah it's not great it's probably Pitch outside, outside the line, line yeah. outside the line and probably high as well um, but yeah he, he was amazing an, story he, that really is he was a leading run scorer in the second 11 championship last summer come straight into Kent side it's done, done really and Lawrence as you, as you mentioned big win for Glamorgan over Division 2 favourites Nottinghamshire move on to the IPL Josh Butler we mentioned him already he became the eighth player to score three IPL hundreds. In the last year he scored four T twenty hundreds. Um, so he's going very well in T twenty cricket. The game between Radistan and KKR yesterday was was brilliant. Lots of changes in momentum. Uh Yuzvendra Chahal took a Fifer including a hat-trick, and looked to have won the game for Rajasthan before Umesh Yadav smashed 20 off a of Trent Bolt over to keep the game alive. But Rajasthan just about hung on. Umran Malik, one of Phil's favourites, had a really good week. He took four for 28 the other day, including a triple wicket made in the last over of the innings. Uh, Dale Stain, who's working for the Sunrisers, absolutely loves him.
0: They've said, we don't care about your economy, right? Yeah. Just bowl as fast <laughs> as you bloody can. He's
1: listening. He's listening. Yeah, he's um, great. And there was a, a brilliant game between Gujarat Titans and CSK. David Miller scored an unbeaten 94 uh, to help Goodrat recover from 48 for 4 to chase down 170 with a ball to spare. At one point, Rashi can't hit Chris Jordan for 25 in and over late on to keep that game alive.
0: Do, do, you, do you watch it, Lawrence, every now and then?
3: Yeah, yeah, I do. I do I'm, I'm not sort of anti the IPL. I mean, I think the IPL poses interesting questions for the. Global ecosystem of cricket, but I do like what well, I mean. If, it's if irresistible, I'm, though, isn't it? Well, so if Joss so Butler's on 50 off 20, you're tuning in, aren't you? Yeah, I mean, yeah. You're, wherever you're not missing that
0: down the local rec, you're watching that. Yeah, there yeah, should genuinely
1: brilliant. be an app where uh, it tells you. <laughs> if there are players of interest batting in the IPO t- turn it on Moe's batting that's a, right. that go a go. great that's that a yeah. brilliant shout, shout. Yeah. 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 give it a couple of no, years you can, roll so, that out
2: but you, you, you get to pick so you get Your to pick players, you know yeah. maybe five five that's players good. and whatever so you want Rashid Khan in the middle of a great spell whatever it is Joss, yeah. we're going to have a bit of Joss Butler you have to have a comedy one there in, in there as well when you're somebody that you know is going to get smoked so you got to pick a bowler that you think is going to get absolutely battered
3: uh, <laughs> <laughs> who do you have in yeah. mind but well, uh, no,
2: there, was, there, was there was a guy he played for he played for um, he played for Mumbai Indians a lot, and he used to get absolutely killed every single time. His name, his name escapes me now, and I won't embarrass him by saying so. But it was it was almost guaranteed he was going to tens. Guaranteed. Yeah.
0: I just like the way that we all had names in our head, and none of us were going to say no, them. No, yeah. that. that was nice.
1: But <laughs> <laughs> gotta bear in mind our considerable India audience. Um, mm. Uh, Callum asks, uh, any discussion on the cricket World Cup Super League Division 2? Scotland with four wins out of four in the last week with pod favourite Mark Watt turning up in the last game. Well, of course, I've got to mention it. Um, Scotland won four of their last four games, uh, two wins each over PNG and Oman. The World Cup Super League Division 2, the top three teams go into the World Cup qualifier and the bottom four teams go into a World Cup qualifier playoff so PNG, who have won one of their twenty games, still can still chance. qualify for the World Cup. Come on, to PNG! Yeah. I think my old man's just—I don't, I don't <laughs> think I'm out
2: of out of order saying this—but I think my old man's just been been hired by Jersey for the for their seven weeks of qualifying. There's a podcast think, exclusive. Yeah, it's lovely down yeah,
1: there. As well. Yeah, We'd
2: enjoy that. So I think he's going to be going to Uganda, Zimbabwe, and, and Jersey. He's got like seven weeks on on the gig with them. Does he get the
3: tax breaks as well? is that well,
2: I, I should imagine <laughs> so. I mean, if, you
1: know, I, I wonder why he <laughs> keeps. Keeps napping off to the Bahamas all the time. <laughs> <laughs> the new Wisden Almanac is is out. Uh, by the time this comes out, it will be out. Um, before we talk about this year's one, do you know a bit of trivia around Butch and the Wisden Cricketer of the Year award?
3: Oh, crikey, I should do. This is where I get sacked on air. Uh, Go on.
1: Butch is the most England Test caps without having been a Wisdom Cricketer of the Year. Is that right? Um, Good because when Get him a valedictory won, when butchered at that is peak, that was when that was in the very short period of time where it was global. summer. yeah, global they went year. three years yeah. where they
3: chose, they went globally across the year because I guess 2002 might have been the year when, as in for what you did in 2001, mm. with that the, the heading yeah. meetings that. Under normal circumstances. Yeah, that's, that's quite tough. But he, yeah. he doesn't seem to have lost much sleep over it, I have to say. Yeah, you bounce back really strongly. I'm okay. I'm no. alright. Yeah. Yeah.
2: <laughs>
0: good, good to know.
3: That is a good stat, though.
1: Uh, first of all, Lawrence, do you want to tell us who the five Wisden cricketers of the year are? And also, it's probably worth reminding listeners and viewers what the selection criteria is.
3: Yes, so you can only be chosen once. And the emphasis is on the previous English summer, which gets a lot of people quite irate. But there we are. It's been going since 1899. Um... The five cricketers are Jasper Bumrah, uh, Devon Conway, Ollie Robinson, Rohit Sharma, and Dane Van Niekirk. Yeah. So, two Indians for the first time ever in a five. Uh, yeah, amazingly, actually, you'd have thought there would have been a couple of years when uh, two would two would have squeezed in, but but Rohit basically helped win a couple of, te- of the two Test India won at Lords in the Oval with two great innings, and Bumrah helped win both those games on the last day with brilliant spells. I mean, his record overseas is is little short of sensational. Uh, I, I think you guys who are here would remember him bowling besto and Pope in quick succession on the last day, which really opened England up. And then at Lords, of course, a couple of weeks earlier, when Virat Kohli had said, "Let's give England 60 overs of hell," and Bumrah was his 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 main weapon. Got Root out in first over after tea, I think it was, which was really the beginning of the end for England. And um, was unplayable. I mean, he's got that incredible action no one no one could do anything with him and he, he's he's accurate as well as incisive it took nine wickets at the Trent Bridge by the way where India probably would have won if it hadn't rained on the last day so yeah an easy choice.
0: They had echoes in the early 90s the, the Wakul and Wazim spells where there was just something sort of primal about it really elemental about it and there was nobody the greatest players in the world wouldn't have had anything to offer in you
3: know. In- yeah it felt inevitable that sort of Yorker, he's the off stump Yorker. It's like yeah. well, you may know it's coming. I mean, yeah. I'm, I'm not, I'm no batsman, but you can see the best batsman in the world knowing it's coming and not being able to do anything about it. Exactly, um, that's quite a gift.
0: <laughs> and the 80 odd that Rowett made at Lords, one of my all-time favourite innings, I think. Brilliant, because it was freezing cold, dank, overcast. And him and, and KL Rowell put on a, one of the great partnerships, really, considering the conditions.
3: England stuck him in, didn't they? And you thought, mm. well, th- this is precisely the kind of conditions where India would usually fall in the heat. But Rohit had been... He, because he, because India had been there for the World Test Championship final, and they'd had weeks to prepare for England, he'd just practised against a swinging, seeming ball in the nets. I mean, you read the piece um, where Nagraj Golapudi speaks to him. Oh, sorry, I think it's Anand Vasu actually does this one. Nagraj did Bumrah. Um, it's all about his preparation. <laughs> So actually, that worked quite well in India's favour. By the time he gets to Lords, he is absolutely grooved. Um, Eighty-three, which of- begs
2: a question, really, doesn't it? Well, yeah. yeah. I mean, they're, they're, those two—the two names Phil just mentioned—are my favourite. You know, I pull pull them out in the pocket every time we start talking about. Um, you know, oh, England can only—you know—they can only concentrate on one format at a time. Well, you know, these these are two blokes. One's got two double hundreds and fifty-over cricket. The other bloke makes twenty-ball T20 hundreds, and yet. They played the swinging and seaming ball in Test cricket better than our blokes, hands down. You know it can be done, folks. You you, you don't. It's not a pigeonhole. Does not have to. Doesn't have to keep you away from being just good at batting. That's being good at batting. <laughs> That's
1: it. Isn't it? Yeah. And just just on row it, it's it's a year in which he, he he has grown as a figure in Indian cricket. I mean, uh, 12, 18 months ago, his legacy as a Test cricketer was not secure at all. Now he's one of the best, if not the best, opening batters in the world, and now. No, very few people would have predicted it. a year ago he is now the India Test captain as well it's quite a remarkable rise this late in his career
3: that's so, I mean he was sort of pigeonholed as you know, world class all time great white ball batsman you know, two three double hundreds whatever it is um, great home test batsman I mean, he basically helped win the series against England didn't he with that 160 in the the, the second test set, set them on their way but but never made 100 overseas in fact when he got 83 at Lords we all thought oh he's he's probably missed out and then that innings at the oval where what were they 99 behind on first innings I mean not many teams win from that position in England and he knuckled down and then as you say to to kind of all that soap opera that's always bubbling under the scene between him and Coley <laughs> you know, tenches, supposedly their wives don't get on. There's all kinds of gossip columns are filled in, in Indian papers. And and Coley is now, he's not quite yesterday's man, because he never quite will be, but Sharma has leapfrogged above him. And Coley's not scoring runs. I mean, Sharma is now the, the daddy, the batting daddy of that team. Um, and brilliant to watch as well. Brilliantly graceful, isn't he?
1: Mm. Just just Ollie Robinson, he obviously had a brilliant year in his first year first time summer as an England test cricketer but obviously he made headlines for the wrong reasons on the on on his first day as a test cricketer was it a reasonably straightforward choice for you to name him as one of the five
3: well it's an interesting one and people I I will be asked about this uh, and it's a fair question I mean look our our basic position was that there were a few things that the tweets were about a decade old um, he apologized and he was suspended so he kind of He'd suffered some punishments there, and we—I didn't feel it was for wisdom to add to his punishments. He kind of done his time. If—if if he'd done the tweets the day before his test debut, and he'd not said sorry, that's a different matter. <laughs> then he becomes very hard to pick, even if he is one of the—you know—the best five players of the summer. who hasn't been chosen before, and the English summer. Um, but for me, it wasn't—I I could kind of square that with my conscience, if you like, to pick him. And he—you know—the piece that Vish Andharaja interviews him. And he he, he he addresses it. He asks him tough questions, and, and Ollie himself says this will never go away. I mean, he's aware that he's, he's messed up. They were horrible tweets, uh, a decade old or otherwise. Um, but it was the timing was terrible, wasn't it? it? Was the day they all lined up with the anti discrimination T shirts, and the ECB had to make they had to make an example of him after what they, they did. You, with you know, the
2: problem with one of the big problems with this is, and I'm not I don't, I'm not saying that it's I'm not saying that it's wrong to be picked, and one of one of the things that. That people who have been discriminated against will will turn around and say, "But this, this is kind of what happens all the time. We we get to suffer for suffer for from um, varying degrees of abuse um, over the course course of our lives, and there isn't really any kind of recourse to sort of re, re, to to recompense us for that. And yet, people who have been found to have been guilty of this historically or whatever kind of end up coming out okay in the you know regardless and and so if I can give my personal feeling on it is that I, f- I felt that the suspension was utterly right that the apology could have been I don't think he needed to have it written down I think you you know uh, all of that kind of stuff um, I think it was correct that he was suspended from the team I think it was I think it was correct that he, he was allowed to be picked on on merit once he'd, once he'd served his punishment but I do feel that kind of that what wi- that wisdom in putting him on the on the front cover as being one of the five, is 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 perhaps further than I would have gone in terms of his his his, his rehab. I'm quite happy for him to play. I I I don't know. I if it, it sticks in the craw a little bit, and I'm not somebody that has an axe to grind on this front at all. But I but I do feel representative of a lot of people that do, yeah. and I, and I imagine that you're gonna that you're gonna come under some heat for it. That's I totally I
3: totally respect that. Um, I hope that the balance of all the different articles we have in the book shows where we stand on things like that. And we've got Azim Rafiq writing at the front of the book about his uh, his um, experience. We, I'm very critical of Yorkshire and the ECB about the way they handle all of that. Full of praise for Rafiq. Uh, racism is front and centre of the editor's notes. Um, as I say, ha- had Robinson done what he did the previous week and not shown contrition, that for me... Is is a different scale of offence? Oh, for sure. But he and wouldn't.
2: He wouldn't have. He, he also. <laughs> he, admit, he wouldn't have played for England again if that had been. No, the case. he wouldn't.
3: But he also said, by the way, to, to Vish that he wishes he hadn't. He'd been more from the heart in his. He basically comes off the field. He's told that the tweets have reemerged, and he's has a statement thrust under his nose, which he then has to read out like a startled rabbit in front of the national media. Um, he, he, damn right, he had to read it out. Uh, you know, damn right, he had to say something about it. I get that, and I do. T- I do take on on board your point I mean the white mainstream of English cricket hasn't listened enough it's generally taken the position that well we we can't see any racism therefore it doesn't exist that that's very much not the general tone of wisdom but I, I totally no, it, it isn't
2: but but you do understand what I'm saying do, in terms of because it because just the the optics of it are that okay all is forgiven there you go you're you're away I mean I think as I said, I have no issue with him being back in the side and none of it whatsoever. He's served his punishment for it. But I think I you mean, have to be very careful yeah. about the gongs you hang around people, given, given the problematic nature of, of what's happened. And pretty, yeah, I, you know, on the one hand, you've got Sid Lawrence isn't that, is president of Gloucestershire after the revelations that he made during the, during the course of the last couple of summers. That's something that, that, Probably wouldn't have happened. Perhaps could, should have happened. Probably wouldn't have happened if hadn't been for the last couple of years. And so, I don't know. I think the 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 way that the white, um, uh, the white established um, side of English cricket kind of paints this issue, or, or kind of either chooses to confront it head on, or chooses to kind of allow it to slide. Is really important in the way that the whole the whole conversation moves forward.
3: I mean, the the piece he does with Fish, he the, the, it's it's central to his story. Right. <laughs> we're not, not not hiding away from it. Right. I mean, it's it's the first few paragraphs. So we're not we're not pussyfooting around around it. Um, All right, I, tell us why, tell
2: us why he was picked then. What why is why well is he...
3: well he was picked because he, he he bowled extremely well. Hmm. I mean, he was a leading wicket taker in the England India series in his his well, second series, wasn't it? Because he took wickets in his debut against New Zealand and was then suspended, rightly so, uh, for Edgbaston and then comes back and bowls beautifully for two fifers, 21 wickets. Um, the fitness issue is going to carry on hanging over him because he then goes to Australia, averages 25 with the ball, which wasn't bad but keeps limping off the field and then he, he's not fit to bowl at all in the Caribbean when England hoped he helped succeed Broad and Anderson. So that is another part of his story which sort of overtakes slightly what he did last summer. Uh, I, I
1: think on, on the interview with, with Vish, I was, it's probably not the right word, I was, I was quite impressed by his self-awareness in it. Um, there, are, there are other examples of cricketers at the moment who have done bad things in the past and there are questions about whether they should be forgiven, whether they should pay for it. I, I think there's, there is a self-awareness there uh, that I thought was quite impressive and I don't think he'd got across before this interview. I might be wrong, he's spoken to the press before but possibly not as openly as it, it is since you say
3: that. I mean I, I sort of I hope Vish doesn't mind me saying this but I sort of had to talk Vish into doing the piece because he, he, his worry was what Butch has articulated which is well in a way did he want to be tainted with celebrating a guy who'd done racist sexist tweets um, I, I think I well I did persuade him that actually this is a, this is a way of addressing the issue it's not celebrating. It's not celebrating what he did. It's giving him a chance to express himself and to say sorry and hopefully be an example for, for, for other people. Um, it, but it's, it's thorny, of course it is. It's, it's, it's very difficult and I totally hear what Butch says.
1: Obviously, uh, COVID, the COVID year brought its own challenges, but otherwise, was this your most challenging year as was wizard Editor, given all the, the grim off-field stuff that happened to English cricket?
3: Yeah, it probably was. I mean, it's the 11th edition I've done and... Um, I mean, I ended up going out to cover the Ashes at the last minute, which, in terms of the workload and getting wisdom done, was was a was a challenge as well. But the issues at stake were tricky because racism hung over the English game like the sort of sword of Damocles, basically, and there was no getting away from that. And the Test team was was falling to pieces. So, I mean, in the notes, I kind of I, I, I'm not kind on Tom Harrison. I'm afraid um, I brought up the the bonus that that he and some of his colleagues will take at the ECB, and I've said this this is doesn't look good. I mean, English cricket. Is a he, Tom Harrison has to go in front of Parliament or at least the DCMs committee every three months to update them on the the, the fight against racism in English cricket. That that's a that's not that's not a good position for an ECB chief exec to be in. Hasn't worked off the field and it certainly hasn't uh, worked on the field. And yet they're pocketing said to be two point one million between them because they got the hundred through. Now at a time when sixty two ECB employees were sacked last year, when we were told that was rationalising. Uh, the, the sort of financially struggling uh, body to to, to to pull through, everyone was in it together for the chief exec then to be pocketing quite a lot on top of a basic salary of half a million, I don't think that plays that well with with, with fans, a lot of whom are already angry about the way the, the Red Bull game has been marginalised, so yeah I've gone for Tom Harrison, um, I think he should either give the money back or put it into the ace programme if English cricket's serious about um, dealing with racism, that would be a good use of the money, certainly better than being taken out of the game
2: you know what i've uh, I've just figured out i figured out what's sitting badly with me on it about this uh, this whole thing at the minute and it's there there are lots and lots of people who over the course of the last two years have kind of have been able to to take a look at or take stock at certain behaviors or certain things that they've allowed to, to to pass um certain ways that they've treated people um and thought you know what I, that's I, I i can i want to make a change here i want to you know i want to be be better i want to encourage other people to be better we want to be more inclusive all this kind of stuff fabulous right because there are people lots of people can be reached in terms of um taking a closer look at the way that they 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 treat other people but there are lots of people who who ha- don't want to hear it at all and the thing that that is sticking in my core a bit about about his nomination and his celebration in in this way is that those people The people who you can't reach anyway will turn around and take that as a win for them. That's what, that I think, I've just been kind of sat here and wondering why I'm kind of getting this sort of physical reaction to the the idea. And again, it's got nothing to do with Ollie Robinson per se. It's the way that people who have no interest in listening to the idea that there might be some discrimination in the game of cricket or any, any sort of discrimination in the UK on any format whatsoever. You can't change their minds anyhow. But what you can do is you can give them a little nugget to hang on to and go, oh, you know what? It wasn't that bad after all, see? We were right. It was, there, was no, there was no case to answer. And that's, that's what bugs me
3: about it. I just hope I hope once you read the piece that you agree we've not presented it in that no, way. No, no, no.
2: But, but what I'm saying to you is, is the very fact that he's one of the five because most of those people won't read the piece either. That's my, that's my yeah. point. You don't get, You don't get to them. They don't come to you anyway. They're not interested in listening to the other side of the story. Do you understand what I mean I
3: absolutely do now what I'd say is that those that type of person is quite hard to t- change their minds anyway' they, it's, it's confirmation bias they will have, leap on it yes
2: exactly so, so they leap on it and turn it into a positive thing for their for their own ends, which is why I wouldn't have done it. At what do you point, see okay, what I, mean?
3: I do all right philosophically, at what point do you stop punishing someone I, for well, something it's not they've a punishment done? is it not getting,
2: well, not getting an award for something that you aren't expecting to get is not a punishment
3: um, well we'd, we'd have not been giving him an award. Because we were saying he was... was there
2: nobody else that could have won it on the, in, in the year? There Was there not another cricketer that could have been one of the five? Probably,
3: but I, for the reasons <laughs> I explained <laughs> but earlier... But that's not
2: a punishment. No. You know what I mean? He, if you didn't, didn't know that he was up for the award, how are you punishing him by not getting it?
3: Um, uh, because people would say, well, you're choosing people on by cricketing standards, generally speaking, and he is definitely one of the five.
1: Okay. On the Yorkshire racism story, uh, there's an article by Azim Rafiq that's front and centre.
3: Yeah, and thought he, he is the... He's the man of the year, really. In many ways, he, he's the guy who he's the catalyst for a lot of uh, allowing a lot of people to to speak about their own experiences. People typically talking about Butch, talking about people leaping on things. Well, the moment some of his old tweets came out, people leapt on him and said, "Oh, well, it invalidates everything he's gone through." Well, absolute nonsense. He he was basically the guy who. Um, allowed other people to come out and talk about their own experiences. Now I know some people argued that Yorkshire have gone about it the wrong way. There are still people trying to sue them for wrongful dismissal and so on, but the general as a result of what Rafiq did the general direction of travel at Yorkshire is is positive. Um so I thought it was only right to give him his say about what happened. Um and David Hopps writes a sort of slightly more distance piece if you like about the whole Yorkshireness of the story. Um which I felt that needed a kind of someone deeply involved and someone to take a step back. Um, But Rafiq, he's one of the stars of this year's book.
1: Mm. Uh, We start the show talking about Joe Root's resignation and how difficult the end of his captaincy was, but he's also celebrated as the leading cricketer in the world. Um, Just an incredible year with the bat.
3: Yeah, and I dare say people might say, well, you've got the... Recently, uh, the, the, the guy who's just quit as England captain on the cover, well, we we put him on the cover because of his, his great year as a as a batsman. What was it? 1,708 runs, third highest annual tally, 1,200 runs clear of his nearest teammate, Rory Burns. So he's getting these runs in a struggling side. He's getting them in the fifth year of his captaincy, which is usually a time when England captains are sort of falling in the heap, understandably. Uh, any, what, 600s? He's already added two more this year against the West Indies. Quite an easy choice for us, really. You know, you have to divide the captains even the batting. Um, That's what we did.
1: Excellent. Uh, As I said, you can get the Wisden Almanac, which is out uh, now on Wisden forward slash shop. Phil, there's a new Wisden Cricket Monthly out also now. What's in it? You don't have Joe to go to. to No, I don't. What is in it? No, so I'm. And I I don't know what's in it either. I'm rudderless at the
0: best of (laughs) times without Joe. My God. Well. This is how desperate... I had to kind of go back and... It's, it's not out yet, you see. So it comes out actually on Friday this week. Okay. Because of the Easter weekend. It's got a it, day later. Got it. so it's Friday this week. Um And a week out from print, we didn't have a clue what was going in it. Obviously, English cricket was having one of its, you know, fortnightly crises. And so we didn't really know where we were. Um, as it stands, we've pulled together a beauty. Now, I, I know I do tend to say that, but it's true in this instance. And I've actually got WhatsApp proof that I was saying to Joe afterwards what, what a cracker it is. Um, do you mean
1: you've lied about it in the past?
0: I might have exaggerated <laughs> the truth, mark.
1: I also like how your proof is a message that you sent saying it was really good before. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. This is, this
0: is actually really bloody good, mate. Anyway, um, so from the top, the, the front page, the front cover is the impossible job question mark route. Oh, i timed um, that well. Time it well, well yeah. Root, Stokes, Broad, plus some ghosts from the past. You didn't make it, Mark. You only did it for a week. Um, but some, some of these others, you know, Hang Dog, Nasser in tears at a press conference and so on and so on. So anyway, John Stern goes through the eras, looks at the job itself and asks if it's basically more challenging and borderline impossible to do than at any other time. Um, uh, you know, of course, with COVID, with, you know, white ball interference and all the rest of it. Um, and we go through the good, the bad, and the, the, the shockingly unrealistic options to replace Joe Root. Joey Harmon, incidentally, writes a page explaining why Joe Root should have carried on. Not always, it's not always current with the print magazine, <laughs> that's just the nature of the beast. Um, Mark Rambrakash joins us as, as a new columnist, um, our other columnists, one of whom is sitting next to me here, we're all in very good form. I'm um, a new columnist as well. Pardon?
1: I'm a new columnist as well. You are, and I was going to come to that
0: at the end, <laughs> yeah. you know, as, as the joke little bit at the end. But yeah, second team vice-captain of mm, your club. Newly appointed. Yeah, so you're doing a kind of vice-captain's log, yeah. if you like, uh, as the season rolls along. You're already fed up with it.
1: I'm not fed up with it. column it's, one, I've, I've it was lost, bleak. I've lost, I've lost my excitement. Uh, I've, I've realised that the job is more about just chasing people for availability Yeah, it's phoning
2: people up, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. It was, and yeah. and ha- receiving phone calls from people saying, um, "Well, me and the lads are going off to Ibiza for the weekend. Uh, you're gonna have to find somebody else." That yeah. sort of thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly.
1: You have to do much of that. Sorry, <laughs> <All the time. laughs> More than you think. <laughs> more iron out. make uh, the amount of times of <laughs> having to think. Well,
2: what are we going to call this injury? <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: Yeah, Andrew Miller. Lawrence Booth, Andy Zultzman, Raph Nicholson wrote a really good piece actually on the, on the back of England's, uh, stumble to the final, if you like, in, in the Women's World Cup. She reviews that really well actually. Uh, so yeah, a good list of names and yourself. You've, you've slipped in there as well. Taha is, is given a, an audience with Ramiz Raja, who mm. is still, as we speak, hanging on. CEO at, PCB. at the time of recording.
1: At the time of recording.
2: Haven't they just announced a, a, a new T20 comp for sort of like a, an age group competition in right, Pakistan? Seen I that. saw. am sure that, I though. saw a. I'm sure I saw a tweet coming out of Pakistan saying that he's he's trying to get a sort of like a an a you know an under 21s or something you know the under 19s T20 league mm. off the ground five teams or something in Pakistan which I thought was. Interesting, an interesting idea.
1: He's had, he's had quite a busy week. Yeah, he's, <laughs> he's quite a busy man. Well, he was proposing
0: the four-team uh, quadrangular, quadrangular yeah. tournament, wasn't he? Yeah. Uh, Pakistan, India, Australia, England. Yeah. And I and, think that and, was kicked out in the end. And
1: the idea would be that money from that would go to other ICC members, but yeah. it doesn't look yeah. like that's got support.
0: No, but again, Tahar touches on that. He touches on the notorious... Western bloc comments that he made regarding England's non-attendance and obviously Australia having now gone to Pakistan. That's a really interesting interview across his mahogany wood-panelled table um, isn't that
2: extraordinary That sort of The, the, the team That has Virtually refused To tour anywhere For the last God knows how many Years ends up there Ends up being The sort of <laughs> like You know The trailblazers <laughs> For going back to Pakistan yeah. And England Has sort of sat there Humphing away Going oh well That could have been us so It's um, unbelievable I was, isn't it
1: it? it it was reported this week That Bangladesh just Set the tour Australia In 2027 And I know that's <laughs> I know that's five years away 2027 but, 20, but, but, yeah. <laughs> I know that's five yeah. years away from mine. It's just always like, mm, is that going to happen? I'll mm. find a reason to cancel <laughs> it. Mm.
0: Um, I'll just run through it very quickly. Into yeah, Mums Cricket Life. Mm. Really, really good interview by Saj Sadiq. Uh, I interviewed Craig Brathwaite, I mentioned yes, last week. Yes. That was good fun. Somehow, Joe commissioned Jim Wallace to write four pages on the leave, and it actually works. The leave alone shot. Four pages, four pages. Anyway, it works. Um, Trevor Penny, stand at the other end to Brian Lara when he made his 500 and loads of pages of County stuff. County files is back with a bang and a bit of a whimper because I'm doing them. Um, Mickey, Ar- interviews, Mickey Arthur, Mac Ma- um, Critchley, James Harris, Ben Brown, Jigger Nake, Adam Rossington, and Rory Burns, all in the magazine, all interviews. Matt Critchley.
2: Interesting player. Matt
0: one week one
1: week into his Essex career and Phil was already tipping him for England well, I, last
2: I, 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 Well, I remember when I first <laughs> saw him down at Derby on what I think are the best pitches in the country. Um, I thought, mate, he can seriously bowl. Batting's not is, is really good too. I mean, if there's one thing that sort of Matt Parkinson, bless him, has very much against him, it's that he's very one-dimensional as a cricket player. Matt Critchley is not. Um, yeah. He's somebody you'd be keeping a very, very close eye on if you were um, chairman of selectors or... Rob Key or virtually anyone, really, because uh, no, one knows, they can no be... one knows who they are. Yeah, so
1: everybody <laughs> keep an eye on me.
0: So, yeah, it's a belter. Go and get it on Friday. Fantastic. Digital version Fantastic. as well. You,
1: you're going to do another voiceover advert Yes, as well I am. To, for, that, for that was a
0: belter, yeah. Absolutely. A C- couple of quid an issue, digital version drops into your phone or your iPad, and it's absolute beauty.
1: Fantastic. Well, uh, that is all for today's show. Cheers, Phil. Thanks for joining us, Lawrence but this has been the wizarding cricket weekly podcast thanks for listening we'll be back next week
2: sports social podcast network